Pull up a stool and pour yourself a pint as you're about to join three intrepid drinkers, Kevin, Justin, and Mark, as they embark on another Beertastic Voyage. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Beertastic Voyage. My name's Kevin. I'm Mark. And I'm Justin. And today, we're not going to review a particular brewery, but we want to spend a little bit of time talking to you all about the great festival that we went out to this past weekend, the Rocky Point Artisanal Brewers Nano Cask Ale Festival. It was uh, quite a mouthful as far as the title is concerned, but the beers, I think, on the whole, were absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I can't think of anything that I had that I was um, I, I wouldn't have again. It was there were definitely some standouts, but overall, as a as a whole, I think that it was an amazing collection of beer. It was, uh, being the eighth annual, um, they've definitely uh, sort of polished this off, and I know it is an event that a lot of the local breweries sort of look forward to as like one of their highlights for the year, one of the things that they enjoy doing the most. And I know I was, uh, I mean, this is the first time any of the three of us has attended it. And I know I was pumped just walking in the door and getting a full-sized glass pint glass. It was a really nice glass too. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like, and not getting like this piece of crap, like molded plastic with this, extremely obvious scene where the two halves were joined together yeah <laughs> looks like it was molded together with a lighter in some in the parking lot before they handed it to you right but um you know i got the i got the feeling that like i'm gonna say that it's like an insider event but it was such a small place uh it's it was at the uh the rocky point like homeowners association it was basically an oversight you know it was basically an oversized living room that it was in. It felt like, no, it's bigger than it, that. Yeah, but it was definitely a small venue. Yeah, and to have, to be in such a small group with feeling and seeing so many people that you know are brewers of either the breweries that were there or other beer guy, beer people that are there, like, it kind of gave that, it gave me that feeling of, hey, like, this is almost an insider event. Like these are the people that really go to these festivals because they really want to enjoy the beer, and not just because, yo, bros, we're gonna go get hammered in the in a field. Yeah, it was. Um, everyone there seemed like they were really into craft beer. There wasn't any. It wasn't you know broed out like some festivals can get with people who just kind of want to get hammered for you know a prefix price. Um, right, which I'm not against, and it's I have been on numerous occasions. I've decided that I just want to get hammered. You've been that guy. Yes, and so have you. And Lord knows I have. Yeah. Um, so there were 12 different breweries there, and um, some of them brought one, some brought two. Um, some brought one three. Or two, one or two had three, but for the most part, I feel like it was one. It was mostly one or two, and between the three of us, I, mean, I know Justin made it a mission to try all of them himself. I did. But between the three of us, we tried... Almost like I know I tried almost all of them, and Mark tried almost all of them as well, at least a sip wise. Yeah, I I was the responsible driver, so I definitely did not have as much as you two, but I certainly got to sample everything that I wanted to. No one probably should have had as much as I did. Well, I think the only reason that trying all of them turned out to be a bad idea was just because they weren't giving you the little, you know, two ounce pour per sample. They were usually pouring about. A third to a half a pint out there. Yeah, I don't think I got anything less than half a glass. Yeah, when we first got there, um, we were waiting for Kevin, Mark, and I. Um, 
couldn't wait any longer. Not because we were waiting a long time. Because I was just, like three minutes yeah, late. No, no, that wasn't a knock for you. That was more like <laughs> us being just impatient dicks. We, we went over and got some uh, um, cider from Po' Boy. They were, um, I think, the only one that brought a cider. Yes. And uh, it was it was very tasty, but they, <laughs> I was scared after the pour. I was like, oh, my God, this is a whole pint. Yeah. I don't know what we're going to do about this. And to kind of get it started, um, the Po' um, po Boy Brewery brought a cranberry pineapple cider, which... I thought it was re- I thought it was really tasty. I like pineapple. Um, I've had pineapple and cider before. It gives it a really. Um, it was very distinct tropical. pineapple. Yeah, it's distinct in pineapple. Cranberry really didn't come through for me at all. Did you, Mark? Did you pick that up at all? I I really I didn't get the cranberry at all. And not being a big fan of pineapple, I didn't enjoy it as much. I probably would have liked it more if the cranberry was more prominent. I, I I enjoyed it, and I think my remark was, and I know it is a cask festival, so the uh, the, the temperature um, is definitely appropriate for that. But for me, a cider um, is usually served much colder than this one was, and I thought I would have enjoyed it more colder. But I liked the pineapple on it. It wasn't like a, a very acidic pineapple. More uh, colder. More colder. Um, it should and, have been super cold. <laughs> and I also did not get a lot of cranberry, but I I, I, I would like to try that again. Um, at, at a colder temperature. You know, and we kind of remarked that as we walked in, we kind of went to the, we went to the back of the room and started working our way from the back of the, of the beers to the front. And so Po' Boy was the last, be- was the last brewery in the line of brewers. And I'm, I think it might've been a good beer to finish with too. It might've been a nice way to cl- uh, have a, a bright, clean flavor to clean off you know, that day of heavy beers um, might have been an interesting way to finish. I don't think that was the thought process in it when they were arranging people, but, you know, it was probably more like, okay, there's room, you go there. That's true. Also, the um, I, there were a lot of them were higher ABV, and I don't think they were actually ordered by that, but it seemed to me that towards the back of the line where we started, there were the uh, a few more of the lower ABV. More varieties. moderate. Yeah, yeah so fin- finishing there may have been a, uh, may, that we may have just, uh, you know, Gone, uh, gone in the back door, so to speak. So that's um, what she said. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, I don't think we're gonna really go through all of the um, all of the different beers that we had, but a few that really st- I think uh, the standout beers are something that we really should go through. And the first one of the standout beers that I want to talk about is the is from a uh, St. James Brewery, and they had the. Um, a Belgian ale that was brewed with apples. From uh, Richter's Orchard in uh, Northport. Yep. And St. James also makes it, is a, I think they're a farm brewery. A yeah, farm they have a farm brewery. brewery license. Yeah, and that they go out of their way. And we got a chance, and one of the best parts about this event was that we got a chance to talk one-on-one with so many of the people running the breweries. Uh, so we got a chance to speak with Rachel Adams of uh, St. James Brewery, and she told us all about how they're a farmhouse brewery and that it's, from Richter's Orchards, Richter's Orchards, and I thought this was really create. I thought this was a really interesting beer. I apple is not a flavor that you tend to get in beer frequently, and the Belgian style of it just. I thought it was remarkable. I the fact that it, you didn't get any sort of cider feel from it. It was no. definitely just a a crisp apple. Not, yeah, it was beer a, with yeah. a crisp apple flavor. It was not cidery at all. Yeah, that was that was amazing to me. I, I hadn't I hadn't had it was a very unique flavor, something I hadn't had before, and also extremely refreshing and and delicious. Yeah, 
She Thanks. also told us that they're going to be opening up their tasting room to the public very soon, which yes. I'm super happy to hear. Yep. I mean, the to actually, St. James, we've looked around a couple times for their, you know, for a, a brewery, for a tasting room or something, and I'm happy that they're going to be finally opening up a location where we can go and enjoy. Yeah, because we've been able to find the odd bottle from them here or there, and we've enjoyed them, so it's just going to be super nice to be able to go to the brewery and, you know, just get beer and not happen to find maybe a bottle in a shop somewhere. You're also going to know that uh, what you're, you're getting it fresh. This is, you know, brewed in a, in a reasonable period of time. And not that we've ever come across that that issue, but when you have a, an odd bottle every once in a while, it maybe wasn't, uh, wasn't the freshest version of it. Or necessarily stored in the most optimal conditions. Right. Um, you know, I'll also... Um, the next um, the next brewery that we came to was you know one of was our friends at 1940s. Uh, I saw Charlie there, and he was at, he had two beers on tap. He had a, a fuzzy IPA that he described as a in your face IPA, and when we tried that, I, I I couldn't drink a whole serving of that one. That one was one of the ones that I just took a sip of. I think I just stole some of yours, Justin, and. It really was. It was. It was a lot, and more than I'm looking for in an IPA. But I'm sure that there's folks out there that would really be excited about it because it was bright and citrusy. I caught a little bit of grapefruit in there. I don't think he brewed it with grapefruit, but kind of that kind of you know brightness to it. Yeah, you do get grapefruit character from a lot of the newer American varieties, and uh, especially like new the newer New Zealand varieties give you a lot of grapefruit notes. I had a sip of Justin's from that as well, and uh, I honestly, I didn't find that offensive as far as IPAs go. It was actually kind of pleasant, it didn't have any dankness, and I certainly could have gone for a pint myself, but again, I was the responsible person that drove us home from that event, so I stuck with just having their orange uh, whip, which is was a, a sort of cream sickle was it a stout or a porter i forget um it was a milk stout a it milk was stout, a um, that's right it was an orange and vanilla milk stout with that came in at a 9.5 abv and that was really one of the standouts for me i it you got the impression that it was almost like those um chocolate oranges that people sometimes give to each other during the holidays you know you find them wrapped in the tin foil and then you break them apart yeah. and it's all the wedge it kind of had that little chocolatey flavor from the milk stout, and then, but a clear orange um, flavor in there that I found really impressive because it stood out without coming over as sometimes bitter as some orange flavors do. Yeah, I, um, I enjoyed both things from 1940s. The the IPA, um, I'm making it one of my missions to try IPAs and you know find ones that. Um, are a particular uh, variety of IPA that I, I can look for that I, I'll enjoy, and I think this was one of them. I, I agreed with Mark. I didn't find it to be overly dank, and it um, the the citrusy notes for me um, gave it that uh, appeal that I needed to kind of get past some of the heavier hop flavor. And the, uh, the orange whip was was fantastic. You definitely got the, you got an orange and the smoothness of the stout mixed together gave me a, exactly what they were looking for a cream school feel. Yeah, and. Um, I just remember it was funny. I was talking to Charlie, and I went, "What's what's the orange whip?" And he kind of looked at me like, "What kind of fucking idiot are you?" And he goes, "You know, like a creamsicle." 
And I'm like, no, I don't really know those. You know, my brother always stole the creamsicle. I'm more of a fudgesicle kind of guy. And that apparently was an acceptable answer, because after that he softened up and was willing to explain it to me. <laughs> but um, I think it was after um, 1940s that we took a little break, and we, we kind of changed, we saw that there was a big line forming for the uh, for the host, the Rocky Point Artisanal Brewers. Uh, what are they? Are they a guild? Or a group or something? I don't know what, what they define themselves as. But Yeah, I'm not sure myself either. But we kind of, uh, you know, we kind of jumped around from there. And hopped back and went to the front of the room, tried out some of their beers. And I'm trying to remember what the name of the one that I had was. Mind, was mind Control. The Mind Control, yes. And I thought it was... Uh, okay, yeah, here it is. Here's my photo of it. It was a, an Amber Hoppy Kellerbach cask lager with Mandarina, Huel Melon, and Calypso finishing hops. And I had never had anything with Calypso hops before in it. But I, it was a little sweet. It had that Bach... You know, style, and I thought it was really good. I it was came in at eight point eight point two ABV and twenty eight IBUs, and I thought it was you know one of the you know top three beers that I had to, the other day. Yeah, it was. It, it, I enjoyed that beer. Um, it I don't. I, it wasn't. It wasn't my favorite from the three. Um, they also had a double a double saison. I forgot the name of. Yeah. Um, that one was softly spoken magic spell. That was it. That was the one that I got. I. I. I well, the funny part was they had three beers available. Each of us. Grabbed you know a different one so we could you know taste each other's and see if we wanted to go back for it and we all decided that we had picked the right ones for us. Yeah, was... I went I went with Pilsner. I don't remember the name of that, but I enjoyed that. Um, looks like they just called that one the extra special Pilsner. That one came in at six point seven ABVs and twenty eight IBUs. It was Pilsner malt, Mandarina hops, and uh, Weston Fanner Lager yeast. Weston, I I can't pronounce that. <laughs> um, and the uh, the magic spell. Justin, that you had was uh, 8.2 ABV and 21 IBUs. It was a double saison cask ale with mandarina hops, mandarin orange zest, and secrets inside. Yes, I'm pretty sure that what I what I enjoyed most were the secrets. Yeah, I I remember asking you how the secrets inside were, <laughs> and I think it was, I don't remember your response, but you definitely it was early enough on where you weren't completely hammered. And you did give me a response, but again, I, I, I don't remember it. Yeah, the um, I, I did get uh, some orange from it, but um, there definitely was whatever those secrets were. I, that was I can see why they're keeping them a secret. I believe it was, that was the key to that beer. Yeah, and um, I really appreciated all three of the beers that they made. I thought they were probably some of the most creative beers that we had. You know, they didn't really seem that it was a style that, hey, they were just playing with a style. It really felt that they were creating something new and unique. I agree. The um, uh, they There was actually a fourth beer there from them, but not necessarily in beer form. Oh, yeah. well, what? <laughs> there was, the, che- there was the, uh, the the pretzels and cheese. If you can uh, look up the people who, who, they, who they were, I'd love to plug them. The, che- the, cheese was, uh, the cheese sauce that you are raving about was from the Big Cheese New York. Yeah, they they made a, a cheese sauce that included the double bock that wasn't um, part of the cask festival, but you can find in bottles in in uh, stores like Bellport Cold Beer and Soda, and it um that was easily the best cheese sauce that I've ever had. Yeah, the the cheese and pretzels were certainly delicious, and we each had more than one. Yeah, Josh Charlie from nineteen forties had. Uh, I saw him take a bite, and then all he did was just turn to the people around him and tell them to go get the cheese sauce. Immediately. Yeah. Geez. 
Charlie said that you could drink the cheese sauce by itself, and he was not lying. No, I, I did. I, I was at the pretzel also, which uh, they didn't make the pretzel, but whoever they got the pretzels from were also fantastic. Yeah, they were super uh, crunchy on the outside, but still soft and doughy inside. Yeah, they those were those were really delicious. And I don't have the name handy of the um, the beef jerky vendors. Oh, were, yeah. You know, we had some really good beef jerky, too. And I'm The marketing genius, whoever figured out that, hey, we can sell beef jerky to drunk people when we're at these things. Like, it's one of those things you're like, oh, yeah, of course drunk guys want beef jerky. Who doesn't want beef jerky like that? But it's just, it's it's so fantastic that that happens now on a consistent basis. <laughs> Yeah, it, uh, it, the, that was a, the cheese and the uh, jerky were definitely a welcome addition, especially when we were, uh, you know, when I was trying to taste every single beer there. It, uh, I think it might have kept me alive. <laughs> um, yeah, I, and that, I mean, and if I had to say one, I, I didn't get a chance to go out to the food truck. They had a Jamaican food truck that I saw some people. And to be honest, that's probably the only tiniest super tiny criticism that i could ever make of this event was that maybe i wish there was a little more variety in food available but again i didn't go to the truck so yeah, i, mean, I can't I, really complain but you know just you know a little more portable food is always you know i, I didn't want to have to get a whole tray and sit down and eat like that i kind of wanted stuff on the move yeah i i agree but that um the we were sitting at a table with some people that got, uh, got food um, they seemed to enjoy it, and it smelled amazing. Yeah. And uh, at the table, we got a chance to meet this guy, Paul. Paul I think his name's Paul. Maybe John? I don't remember. I think it was a... Joe. Joe? <laughs> I don't know. This, by this time, we had all had a couple beverages, and um, we'll make sure that we have his name right, but um, we got a chance to interview him real quick, and he shared a couple of his thoughts about what his favorite beer was, so we're going to pop that interview in here. So let's go to Kevin on the street. John! John, nice to meet you. I'm Kevin. What's your favorite beer you've had so far tonight? Sand City Promises on Citra Hop. Now, what was something that you liked so much about it? Citra Hop. The Citra Hops is really nice. I really caught it in the nose. What did you? What was the thing about it that you liked it? Nose, nose is great. Uh, actually, you can go back to the nose over and over. The taste is fantastic. Best, one of the best pale ales I ever had. I'm. I'm in 100% agreement with you here. It's a fantastic pale ale. So moving on to some additional highlights was certainly uh, Bellport Brewing's uh, Ho-Hum, which was a chocolate rye beer, and they had three varieties of it to choose from. The base beer, the base beer with the addition of raspberry, and the base beer with the addition of Mexican chocolate. Yeah, and I have the, the sign here, Andy. They re- They describe it as... Chocolate, um, it was a chocolate rye ale. Chocolate rye malt is the star of this beer. A combination of honey malts and roasted barley are its supporting cast, and they all come together for a one-time only performance at this year's Long Island Nano Cask Ale Festival. And, um, yeah, and then, like I said, and then, as Mark mentioned, they added the, the, they, one they added raspberry, where they added something along the lines of, like, um, 12 pounds of raspberries for each get uh, for it was an insane amount of raspberry he said uh, I think I may have it from Brian I don't remember exactly but he told me it was quite a bit of raspberry and then the Mexican chocolate um, 
this um for this cask in particular, they added Mexican chocolate from a Ceylon cinnamon sticks, Madagascar vanilla beans, Pasilla peppers, and local dark chocolate, and that they uh, you know they all merged together to create this outstanding flavor beer. And these got and these three beers like from Bellport, these are the ones that. I give the gold star. If 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 they would let me award a medal to them, I would, I would give my medal to Bellport Brewing for the day. Not a belt, a medal. I thought we like to get belts. Oh, championship belt is so much better. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They get okay. <laughs> Bellport Brewing wins the champ wins the belt this time. The Intercontinental Championship. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. They um. It was really great to be able to taste the base beer, and then see what you can do with an already very good beer. The the base beer was excellent, and I I enjoyed it. But then when you had the raspberry, which some people were saying, and I, I agree with them, tasted like a jelly ring. You know, one of the, the holiday jelly rings. Yeah, the Joya jelly rings. Yeah. It, it really did taste that way. And it, I not in that awesome. not in that harsh, like over the top sugary flavor, just in the just in like the uh the sweetness. Yeah. It, it um it was that was fantastic. And then you go get the Mexican chocolate, because this was the uh the uh, preferred way that uh, uh, Brian wanted you to taste it, from the base to the raspberry to the, to the chocolate. Someone here didn't do that, but I won't mention who that is. That would be me. I know. That would be me. I, I went, because they happened to be busy pouring Justin's raspberry one, I had not the patience to wait for it, so I went straight to the chocolate, and it was, it was, it was so incredible. I have rarely had a beer with chocolate in it, that is that balanced in flavor, and at the same time, just it's was it stood out, but it felt perfectly balanced and perfectly combined. And it was by far my favorite yeah. It was iteration. Just, it was just a great it was a great beer. The other two were really really outstanding beers. And if you didn't show me the chocolate one, if you didn't show me the other, that's what happened each time I tried these. I said I tried the base, and I said this is the great beer. And then I tried the raspberry one, and I said, this is great beer. And if you hadn't showed me, if I hadn't had the other one, I would think that this one's the best. Sorry. And then the last one with the chocolate, I tried that one. And again, I said, if, this one's the best. Like, it was each time, it just was, they're so good. Yeah, I wanted, I, I think I, I remarked that I wanted an iteration of the uh, the, the chocolate one that had had a chili in it. Like, you know, had, had like a, um, I, I would like to a see a habanero in there. <laughs> yeah. So for a little extra spice, but the cinnamon flavor in that was was great. I I think we could talk about the that those those three beers for a while. But what um what one do we follow up after that? I know you have the uh, the notes, Kev. Um, we followed up from there. We went to the other really big standout of the day. We went to Mustache Brewery next, and their Patsy's right again. Nah, so was, good. I got to get the exact specifications on it because that one was. I think that was a coconut lime milk stout. Coconut lime in a beer, which I sat there and I said, that doesn't make any sense. Who would want coconut lime? Um, it was a 7.9% ABV, uh, 25 IBU milk stout, brewed with lots of toasted coconut, cast conditioned with rum oak spirals and lime zest. Oh, I didn't know about the rum oak. And this was, this was so cool. Um, the lime zest stood out so much in the flavor that you had this really rich chocolatey milk stout flavor that was almost like drinking dark chocolate hot cocoa and then you had this lime zest flavor that just cut through everything and cleaned off the palate at the end and i it was it was really spectacular to me and really unexpected to get lime and think i was going to enjoy that in beer 
in a, in, especially in a milk stout. Yeah. But it was, yes, it, super well-composed beer, and uh, we all enjoyed it. Yeah, the, um, I love that beer because when you tasted it, if you didn't read the sign, you would have immediately said what it was. Like It, it was it definitely a milk stout, a sweet stout, and you got coconut and you got lime. You would have picked out everything in there just by just by tasting it. Sometimes, you know, you get a, a beer and, you know, some of the flavors are not as assertive as others. These all mixed together, and each one played its part. Yeah, and I, you know, I, you guys summed it up perfectly there. Some of the other breweries that we saw there were uh, Big Alice out of Long Island City. I had never seen them before or tried anything. And they had a lemongrass something or other that didn't oh, it was really... Oh, good Kulsh. Yeah. yeah, lemongrass Kulsh that didn't really do a whole lot for me. And they also had a peppermint... Um, peppermint stout that I thought in theory sounded really good and that might have been one of the beers that suffered because I got to it later in the day yeah that I my my palate was a little burned out and I was a little too drunk to really appreciate um the flavor there um who else did we have we had, we had transmitter with that the ph1 sour that was pretty good that was good that and one was uh, a decent one they're the, uh they're the Belgian, b3 yeah the stout with the Belgian stout with uh black, black cherries, cherries was a good it wasn't again it was this was a really tough event it, this was a tough event because everything, everything on display was just all around good yeah and it's kind of like when you go to a bigger festival you know people will bring for you know sometimes they bring more varieties and usually it's an every man a beer for every guy a beer who for like who likes this and then one really different off the road off the wall beer that you know, maybe the real beer enthusiast might get a kick out of. But all of them were that really off-the-wall kind of beer t this today. And it was tough to, to to say, like, oh, that one's the best, or that's the most original. Like, it was really hard to start, like, to think like that, because after a while, they're all like, no, they all are. They all are like that. Yeah. It was also tough because, you know, again, a lot of the stuff was very high alcohol content. And it was a five-hour-long event, so there's plenty of time to, to rest in between and everything. But it's still, you, don't, you know, especially when you're Doing what I did and trying to drink all of them, it can definitely be uh, overwhelming at a point. You didn't try. You succeeded. I did succeed, much to uh, my own uh, denigration, I suppose. <laughs> um, I got to say also, like, the Port Jeff, uh, Port Jeff's offering, they brought a, a Runaway Ferry um, Imperial IPA, and the other one that they brought, unfortunately, my camera is a little fuzzy here. I guess I was shaking at some point. Uh, <laughs> but... Uh, I don't remember the name of the other one that they brought. I thought the second one was the one I enjoyed a little more. I really didn't like the Imperial IPA Runaway Ferry, but uh, again, I'm not really a big fan of the regular Imperial, uh, the regular Runaway Ferry. It's just not my favorite beer. The um, Barrage was there, and they brought um, a double chocolate brown ale called Hoochie Mama. That was fantastic. That we all really liked, and the Raven Shadow, a rum raisin porter, I thought was a pretty interesting flavor and it kind of had that rum raisin ice cream like a concentrated rum raisin ice cream flavor that's exactly what i was going to say it would go good in a uh, a milkshake of some style um long island beer and malt enthusiasts had a few varieties out there which i thought were okay um a brown joe brewed by adam and bill was an american brown ale with espresso which was a nice strong um brown ale that I thought was tasty. 
I didn't have the uh, the moans, Damien. The, what is, do you know this guy? The moans, the moans gremlin. I yeah, I, I don't know. I don't. That was a saison that I thought was just a little too acidic and a little too bitter to really be as good as it could be. Yeah, I, I, that was one of the one, that was one um, that I remember trying and and thinking that uh, you know I wish I'd hit it earlier. Um, I definitely want to give a shout out to. Uh, Paul from Blind Bat. Yep. He had brought a collaboration that he had done with uh, Bridge to Tunnel in Long Island City, I believe, which was a, a Belgian golden ale with American hops that was certainly probably the lightest and most crushable beer. Yeah, I believe it was 5.2%. That I had at the event. And also, uh, thanks again for the hats. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Paul. We appreciate it. We yeah. also appreciate you letting us know that school children can pronounce your name and that we can't. <laughs> and I think I figured it out last night at dinner when I was still kind of drunk. I think I was able to say it, and then I tried to say it this morning after I sobered up, and again, I can't do it. Um, but the cool thing about the, the offering that Paul brought, the pale ale that he brought, was uh, it used both um, two-row malt and Cascade hops that were um, farmed here in New York. So... That was um I always like when they pull out local stuff like that. Um Sand City was also there. Uh they had the Citra one. Oh, that the they pale made. ale. The, the Citra pale ale. Yeah, the yeah. Citra Pale Ale and also the Rebellion Coconut uh stout. That was that was really was good. A, which was another strong offering. And I mean I think we really did end up going through all the the breweries anyway. It's not every single beer that was there, but it was just a really um, a really great event. I'm, I'm gushing about the event and how fantastic it was, but it was it was unlike it was so unlike all the other experiences that I've had at beer festivals. And maybe it's just the fact that from the past couple months from us doing this project, that I've gotten even more focused on the beer and now are appreciating it even more. But I I'm hoping that in the future that as as we go to other events, you know, as springtime and the summertime roll around and more events are coming up that, you know, we can experience more and really grow with that. Springtime for Hitler? In uh, Germany? <laughs> I have no idea where that came from. <laughs> Mel Brooks, you're welcome. The producers. Yes, I, I know. Um, I just don't know where, where the reference yeah. came um, But again, it was nice being able to go around to the different folks and talk to them and... When they don't, um, uh, Brian from Bellport was nice enough to step outside with me for a couple minutes and talk. Um, he was able to give us the lowdown on some things that are going on at Bellport Brewery and talk just about the stuff that he brewed today and, you know, wh what's going, what the future of Bellport is and how very soon that they're coming out with stuff. So, um, here's our little interview with, uh, Brian. My name is Brian Baker with Bellport Brewing Company. Hey, Brian. Um, first off, really appreciate the beers that you brought down today. They're delicious. Could you tell us a little bit more about them? Yeah, so uh, we were asked to do this uh, festival. This is our second festival as Bellport Brewing Company, uh, and we were asked to do something different. We were asked to do something that we've never done before, something that would go well here, and something that would showcase the brewery itself. So uh, we decided to make a chocolate rye ale, which we've never 
brewed before. Which was really delicious. I got I got to say, I gotta, I'm got. i sorry to interrupt you, but man, it was really tasty. Yeah, it went very well. We were very happy with it. So we did the, the, the beer itself. And then to showcase the brewery and 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 how our our way of, of brewing and what we what our abilities are, we made the same exact cast with raspberry uh, fresh raspberry inside of it, and then we also did another cast with uh, Mexican chocolate that we made from scratch. Now, did you start with the same wort from, to begin with, Absolutely. and then just split it off? Hundred percent. Everything was the same until we did fermentation. All right, and you said you used uh, frozen raspberry before when we I did. asked you, right? We used frozen raspberries. I, I think it was Mott's or something like that, and it, we used about uh, three and a half pounds for four point five gallons of uh, beer. Wow, that's that seems quite, like a lot of str- that seems a like bit. a lot of raspberries to start it, off with. But was, I got to yeah. say that the the aroma in the raspberry when I tried it, and then the taste was absolutely Thank delicious. You. I really Thank appreciate it. Now you. with the cocoa, I just got a quick question. Yeah. Now, what kind of form of the cocoa did you use? We used a block of cocoa that we got from Tend Coffee Company in Mastic. Um, we also get our coffee beans from there when we do our uh, our. Uh, chocolate porter, which has coffee in there. We okay. get espresso from there, and um, t- we were introduced to this cocoa, and I, I tasted it, and I, I just, I was, I fell in love. It's number one, it's local, um, and it's, it's for me as a farm brewer, I have to have twenty percent of my ingredients from New York State. So having that there, not only one, it helps them. You know, with sales and and whatnot, absolutely. Um, but it helps me because I, that gets me to my twenty percent grain or ingredient um, that that I have to hit per per. Uh, so, so New York State Farm Brewing is what asks you to, says you have to be twenty percent, and is that twenty percent of just grain or twenty percent of all ingredients? Yeah, so it's twenty percent of the whole ingredient, and New York State has they have positives and negatives to it. The positives are that. Uh, they give us a tax incentive. So when we, at the end of the year, when we pay all of our taxes, they basically give it back to us, which is awesome. Um, Dude, taxes coming back is awesome. I love that. It's huge. I mean, it's not much. You know, we're, we're a nano brewery, so we're talking about, you know, at the end of the year, maybe 200 bucks a tax, which is still, listen, I can buy some green with that. Maybe 200 bucks, 200 bucks. Ain't no one, (laughs) no one's yelling about that. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. So, uh, it works out well for us. And, um, you know the other great thing about having a, the, the the license is it allows us to have up to five um, associate uh, locations, other location, auxiliary locations, if you will, without really jumping through hoops to get these license approved for for, for tasting rooms, if you will. That helps out. I mean, it definitely allows you a little flexibility in trying to find the locations that you need to get the business done. It's a big deal. It is a big deal for us. Um, I believe we're the 14th in New York State that has the license. Um, As a farm brewer? As a farm brewer. It's a relatively new license, and, and some of the breweries that have a regular brewer license. I know Long Island is one of them. They converted from a regular brewer's license to a farm brewer's license. Really? I didn't know you could yeah. switch like switch over like that. You know what? New York State, it's about the money. Um, That's always the case with New York State. Right. That's always it is. You pay your taxes. You, you do the right thing with them. They, they're not going to bother you. I mean, they, they want they want what Cuomo wants, and they want business in New York, and they want us to to be successful, and Cuomo does too. So, and that and that's a huge part of what we're doing. Like we just want to. 
find ways to help support Long Island businesses and help support what the thing, you know, the great crafts that are coming out of Long Island. Um, so do you guys have an, uh, you know, an ETA on when we might be seeing a, a tasting room open for you guys? Yeah, so we're, we're hoping that, uh, I will say this, I, I had an interview earlier today and I didn't give too much information, but I will tell you this, we did, we are looking at a, a location in Santa Riches as one of our auxiliary locations, um, and that is probably within 60 to 90 days of happening. Really? That's yeah, soon? really close. We're having a lot of meetings with the health department, and that's the only thing stopping me right now is the health department. you got to get all your it's licenses a, and clarifications and all that kind of stuff. It really is the biggest thing. I mean, our, the finances, it, it took a while to get there, but we're finally there. We, 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 we made everything that we had to do on our own. Um, you know, no Kickstarters, no Go, GoFundMes, and, and not that I don't, you know, appreciate those and support them but the way i see it is if, if, if you're going to open a brewery you can open a business any type of business if you don't have the money to do it listen maybe you, maybe there's other alternate ways of doing it but but for 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 my old school uh mentality is if you don't have the money you don't do it and, and uh that's just how i feel about it you know and i understand completely where you're coming from and i'm glad that more breweries have started and i've seen a lot of the story of this brewery, this guy was a home brewer, and he got into it, and he ran a Kickstarter campaign, and he grew it. And I'm happy that they're brewing beer, and I'm happy that they're producing great you know, beverages. Sure. But I completely understand where you're coming from, and I appreciate that. Yeah. And, you know, I've tried to donate. You know, I've donated to a number of them, and I'm, I'm going to continue to support you, Will. So, you so as long as we're getting more beer, I'm always happy. Awesome. Thank you so much. Is there anything else coming down the pipeline that we, uh, we should know about? <clears throat> yeah, so within the next, I would say within the next 30 days, we're going to start bottling beer um our bottles are going to do a lot better than our uh, regular distribution of kegs winter you know i'm finding out this is our first full year of winter and winter is a tough season for beer uh if anybody thinks that that a large brewery is uh just uh, floating around with no problems that's absolutely wrong um every single brewery has a problem in the winter it's it's just it's a known tough season to to be a brewery is it just that no one's going out to, to the bars to go drink beers right now? Listen, I am. I mean, I don't know. Well, I mean, you yeah, know, I, I mean, know. you and I, I maybe, yeah, but for the I, most part, other people maybe I not. guess, I guess so, you know, and I see the, the hard part is with the, the home D's. Um, you know, they're not, they're not going through as many growlers as they, they used to, and, and it's just, it's different. It's different. So I'm, I'm understanding that late February, early March is when it starts kicking in. So right before then, we're going to be releasing our uh, bottles. And we're going to be pushing our bottles in, in case of this issue that it goes a little bit longer other than winter. I mean, you know, we, we start seeing spring and, and we're not making our, our, our quotas here. we got a problem. So, Are you guys using a distribution company like Manhattan or anything, or, or Boeing, or are you guys just, or Claire Rose, or are you just distributing by yourself? Yeah, so at this point, we've been, inter- we've, we've been uh, introduced to the people, we, we've been spoken to them. Uh, we're not at the point yet. Um, I think as far as we are right now, I have enough customers just barely enough customers where myself and I have one employee that um, we can do it ourselves. Um, it's That's awesome. Like a, it, it's almost like a full-time job just doing deliveries, but we can do it ourselves for right now. Listen, I, I work in grocery retail also, so yes, I completely know. understand right. how it is a full-time job just getting all the stores by Absolutely. yourself. Absolutely. Well, man, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us, and I really appreciate it. You have a wonderful day. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right. It. Have a good have one. Have a good day. Thank you. 
All right, Kevin, that was uh, some pretty good audio that you got there. Yeah, I'm I'm amazed that the uh, that my cell phone's able to just pick that stuff up. Like the voice memo app worked out surprisingly well. <laughs> um, so I think we all agree that the um that this is an event that we got to go back to next year. Definitely. Yeah, I love the um the small atmosphere. I know they. I mean, it's in a small place, so they obviously they cancel that many tickets. But I do know that their main goal is to keep it small and intimate. And as long as that keeps happening, I think it, it's it's just gonna get better. All right, everybody. Uh, cheers and thanks for listening. If you enjoyed Beertastic Voyage, please be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and don't forget to review and rate us. The guys can be found online at www.beertasticvoyage.com on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash voyage and Twitter and Instagram at Beertastic Show, or send them a good old-fashioned email at beertasticvoyage at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and cheers for local beers.